one of the most powerful sights to behold is to see the regeneration of a forest after it has burned down. Like the phoenix that rises back to life from its ashes. We all go through in life setbacks, losses, even destructions. Please join me in this important conversation. From destruction to resurrection, can we and how can we rebuild after there's been a betrayal, a violation, a schism, or something has been broken or destroyed in our lives, whether it's in relationships, whether it's our own dreams and our own experiences. From destruction to resurrection. Hi, this is Simon Jacobson, and our topic in this class will be From Destruction to Resurrection. This program is dedicated in loving memory of Yehuda ben Chaim on his yard site, the 13th of Av, 5774. There is no one in life that has not in some way experienced a loss, a disappointment, a shattered dream, a broken promise, a betrayal, a violation. This can be in our personal relationships, and it can be quite devastating. It can be in our work, losing a job, being fired. It can be other traumas and losses that we go through in life, the loss of a family member, a loved one. And of course, in our own hearts and souls, sometimes we feel that we, in our own lives, have not lived up to that which we could have lived up to, and even furthermore, may have even broken something. The question is, after something is broken, can it be rebuilt? Can we resurrect once there was a destruction? There was a betrayal in relationships. Can there be reconciliation? And if yes, how? That's what we will be discussing. The time period in which we're speaking right now is called the nine days. This is the saddest period in the Jewish calendar. And it's exactly about this theme. From destruction to resurrection. These events that happened during this period in time are most reflected in the destruction of the Holy Temple, first by the Babylonians, and then by the Romans, the second temple by the Romans. However, destruction is not the end of the story. Ultimately, the purpose is to rebuild something greater. So let me share a narrative. Here's a narrative. Husband and wife love each other, marry, build a family. And then, without going into any details, one betrays the other in a serious way. There's a betrayal. Betrayal, of course, is not just a physical thing. It also affects trust, affects how to look at each other, and it's sometimes very difficult to overlook and just forgive. Because if, especially if it was a betrayal in a deep personal place, it's not easy to repair that. You can't just say, okay, let's start again tomorrow. 
trust, trust has been betrayed. So very often, many of us think, okay, you know what? It's a one-way street, just like you break uh, a plate. It's broken, throw it out and start again. However, one of the most important things in life to know is that none of us are perfect. All of us make mistakes, and there is the concept of forgiveness, and therefore of hope, even after something has been destroyed. Now, of course, that doesn't mean that there is no accountability. On the contrary, trust, as I often point out, is not built on perfection, it's built on accountability. So there needs to be accountability. There needs to be remorse, and one has to work hard to regain trust. But the question is, is it possible? And the answer is, is, is absolutely. So here is the more cosmic story on a more cosmic level. That is that 3,333 years ago, there was an event that happened at Sinai. It's called the Sinai Revelation, the Sinai event. And it's actually compared to a marriage. A marriage between God and the people, between heaven and earth. And then there was a tremendous betrayal. This momentous event was there afterwards scarred by a tremendous betrayal that the people, the Jewish people, built a golden calf. 39 days after, they were married to God. 39 days after, they had heard, do not build a graven image of me. Do not commit adultery. Don't create another God. Moses was on the mountain when that happens. He comes down and he sees the carnage. He sees the damage done. He shatters the tablets. Yet another form of destruction. He shatters the tablets that he received from the divine that included the mandate to the human race of how to live up to our greatest potential. Okay. Now, We'll soon discuss it. He didn't shatter it out of anger or out of control. It was quite deliberate. Then Moses reprimands and punishes as much as he could the people that had committed this severe crime. And it wasn't like a mistake, an accident. It was quite deliberate, and it was right in the face. It couldn't be worse. It's like literally a spouse committing adultery, infidelity, just a few weeks, 39 days after her marriage. But Moses then, as a true leader, goes back up on the mountain and he prays and beseeches God, says, please forgive these people. They will be accountable, but you need to forgive them. God initially says, no, they really messed up. Go build another nation. I will remarry another people, so to speak. Moses does not take no for an answer. He spends 40 days and 40 nights on that mountain praying, arguing, demanding, expecting that God forgive the people. Those 40 days were not positive days. We're right now in that period, actually. So the Jews live Egypt on, in the month of Nisan is the Hebrew month, which is approximately April. 50 days later, in the month of May, or Sivan, they receive the Torah at Sinai. And 40 days later is when Moses goes on the mountain, the 17th of Thomas, the beginning of this sad period, the three weeks, to pray and beseech and beg for forgiveness. 
He returns after 40 days, unsuccessful. And then he goes up another 40 days, a third set of 40 days, which finally concludes on Yom Kippur, the holiest day of the year, when he gains forgiveness. And God says, I've forgiven them. We actually declare that three times on the night of Yom Kippur and Kol Nidre night. What's the story behind this? The story is exactly that, destruction to resurrection. From betrayal to forgiveness and renewed hope and rebuilding. The people had done a grave sin. It was not going to be easy to correct this. But when two people love each other, when two entities love each other, though on the outer levels and even on many levels there can be a true rupture, but deep inside, just like it is with the human immune system, the immune system begins to work and can repair any wound and any scar. And that's what took 80 days for Moses to accomplish. 40 days to receive the law, to receive the blueprint, but 80 days to gain forgiveness. And that's why Yom Kippur is the holiest day of the year. It teaches us there's no such thing as impossible. Everything can be repaired. Everything can be corrected. So when we talk about destruction, and very often in our lives we experience it, it very much seems at the time, especially living in the moment, this is it. But it's not. You can always rebuild. And that's the key thing, which we'll discuss how we do that. But these stories are meant to personify and capture in time. The Jewish calendar is a very powerful calendar. It reflects the cycles of life. We're right now in the cycle, the down cycle, the sadder moments, the moments that reflect and we honor the losses, the destructions, the genocides, the deaths, the traumas, the failures. Every form of annihilation we honor. But at the same time, we recognize that it's a stepping stone. And that when you do the proper work and with a proper mindset and heart set, and soul set, you actually can rebuild something greater than what you had in the first place. There are very few more powerful sights than seeing a forest regenerating after a forest fire, after it's been burned down. We know the legend of the phoenix, it's actually referred to in Tanakh, that bird that dies and is resurrected from its ashes. It's a symbol of this rebirth. And as such, we're able to achieve that in our own lives. But there are a few conditions, there are a few elements and criteria, a few guidelines that are necessary for us to, for us to master in order to reach that place. But the first thing is the belief and knowing that there is a light at the end of the tunnel and it's not the light of an oncoming train. That indeed... Every negative can be turned into a positive. Every liability into an asset. So, of course, the question then is, how? How do we do that? In nature, yes, a forest can burn down. In many places, they actually burn down parts of forests deliberately in order to regenerate. Sometimes that's the way it has to be done. So, think of it like a metamorphosis, whether it's from a caterpillar to a butterfly, from a tadpole to a frog, or any form of metamorphosis. From one cell that's been conceived that splits into two and then into four 
and ultimately becomes a life, a child. The development of the fetus. Life is never stationary. It's always moving. From the cold winter, when you look at the trees and you look at the environment, everything seems to be frozen, numb, cold, closed off, dead even. And then you see the blossoming in the spring, leading into the summer. And then going back to the cycle, the autumn when the leaves begin to fall and the seasons impact the world, the earth in a way where it goes back to its so-called hibernation or sleep, only to be reborn and recreated again. And yet another example, the moon, the lunar cycle. The sun is a consistent shining luminary. The moon goes through its cycles. It waxes and then it wanes. Second half of the month, it wanes. The moon becomes a full moon on the 15th day in the Hebrew calendar. Hebrew calendar is a lunar calendar, which is reconciled with the solar calendar, but it's driven by the months, our lunar months. And then it begins to wane. Look up to the sky. So though the moon is always receiving a full reflection of the sun, but the angle to the earth, it shifts. And those are the cycles. First quarter the second quarter, the third quarter, and then the rebirthing of the moon. And as the moon wanes, it disappears to the point you see nothing, and then the rebirth. And actually that became a tremendous symbol, that when the the story of Exodus begins, how does it begin? God shows Moses, look up into the sky, you see this moon. As this moon is renewed, your people will be renewed. With the Exodus, after a long, arduous, and difficult oppression and affliction of slavery and worse, and genocides and so on, a rebirth. So we have the symbols all around us in nature. We now need to learn to assimilate and adapt that to our personal lives. How to integrate it, how to internalize it. So the first problem is our own, we can get, we are our own worst enemies. If you don't feel that you can be renewed like these different examples I just gave, then it may potentially be there, but you need to be part of the process. So belief in the very possibility, when I say belief, I don't mean blind faith. I mean in a a type of commitment, type of unwavering resolve that you know that there's no such thing as death and destruction as an end in itself. It may not be exactly as it was, but it becomes stronger in the process. And you see this with all situations that people have gone through difficult suffering. Some people give up and they resign themselves and some people fight. And they become stronger in the process, stronger in the broken places. Now, of course, you may ask the question, what what about situations where you see someone dies in an accident, God forbid, or there's the loss of of a faculty or other things that can be repaired, So it's true, of course there are situations that you cannot turn the clock back, but that doesn't mean that we can't grow from it. It just means you may not gain that limb back, God forbid, if someone lost it, or the life. But that doesn't mean that they're survivors. And even that very individual cannot be resurrected in a different way. Besides, we're not talking now about physical resurrection, spiritual resurrection, the growth that comes through a loss. So not all is lost just because it doesn't work out the way we expected it. In relationships, 
Is there a thing of called a betrayal that there's no point of no return? Obviously, if people mess up, they have free will, and someone doesn't really have remorse, and perpetrates the betrayal again and again to the point that you can't trust. People have that choice. But that's choice. They also have the choice to rebuild. Is it difficult? Yes, it's difficult, but it's doable. As the story of Yom Kippur indicates, and as the story of this period, in a few days will be the saddest day of the Hebrew calendar, the 9th of Av, this coming Sunday. Yes, we commemorate the destruction of the Temple. But we know, and the Kabbalists explain, that the ninth, the number 9, is not a complete number. Number 10 is a complete harmony. 9 is missing something. What is it missing? It's missing the broken link. We'll call it in Kabbalistic terms, it's the 10 spheres, lacking one, the dignity, malchut. But the 9 will lead to 10, and the 10 will lead to 15 and the full moon. We'll get back to that in a moment. What is it when a person is betrayed, especially in the areas of relationships, you know what's betrayed most? It's not just you weren't loyal to me, that you weren't kind to me, you did something that was, that's unforgivable, at least initially. There's the dignity. You lose a sense of your own dignity. This is what someone that loves me does? What does it say about me? And many of us don't blame ourselves. Some do, but don't blame. But you say to yourself, like, am I not worthy? How could you do something to a person that you care about? In a sense, God said the same thing. It's not just a matter that uh, you promised me not to build a false, another God, that you betrayed me. It's a matter of how could you do that to me? Don't we have a relationship? That's the worst part of it. It's not the actual abuse that is so painful, but it's coming from someone that loved you. Not minimizing the abuse, but it's coming from someone that loved you, that's supposed to love you, then hurts you. That's far, far deeper and it's far harder to heal. Physical abuse, yes, especially if it's a, of the sort of intimate or sexual and so on, can have a very profound impact. But when it comes from a loved one, it takes on a whole new dimension. The dignity of a human being, that I deserve love, I deserve to be treated kindly, I deserve respect, value, validation, is critical in life. That's what love is called. Children that grow up in homes, God forbid, that don't have that validation, that don't have that support, that are criticized, that are broken down, what, what happens? They lose a sense of self-confidence, self-esteem, dignity, the malchus. The destruction of the temple was not just the destruction of a building. It was a destruction of a connection, of an interface between who you are and what your purpose is between your body and your soul, between material life of survival and higher purpose and a higher reality. Once we lose that, or that's severed or concealed in some way, there is a true, what's called a wound in our very malchus, in our very inner sense of dignity. That's what this period in time represents. And by, by extension, every form of betrayal, every destruction, as I mentioned before, anything that we call loss, setback, on a, on a very profound level or on a, more, on a more surface level, that's all captured in this period of time. But then, something happens. 
After the ninth, we come to the tenth day. And five days later comes the fifteenth, the full moon. And we're told that on this day, on the fifteenth of this sad month, is considered to be a holiday like Yom Kippur. Celebrate. There were, not, there were no holidays like the 15th of Av and Yom Kippur. Yom Kippur, okay, we understand. As I mentioned, the birth of hope, forgiveness. Such a sacred holy day. But what's the 15th? But the 15th. So the Talmud gives a bunch of reasons. The Arizal, the great Kabbalist of Isaac Luria says, the 16th century Kabbalist that lived in Sfat in, in, the, in the last years of his life, he says, because it comes after the wound in dignity, so this moon, the moon which reflects that malchus, which reflects that destruction, when the moon becomes full afterwards, it's a whole different type of fullness. It's greater than the full moon of all other months because it came after such a wound, after such an injury and scar. This full moon represents the rebirth after destruction. So when we look on the sky, you see the moon, it's a reminder. Just as it was a reminder when Moses looked up into the heavens, that same moon waxes, wanes, but then, then it's reborn and begins to wax and grow. And when we make the blessing as we sanctify the moon, we say that, that as they, they will renew, be renewed as the moon is renewed. It's a critical lesson in life because how often do we give up on ourselves? How often do we feel it's over? Fatalism, resignation. So the first thing is we must know that it's absolutely possible. And how do we connect to that energy of resurrection? How do we reconnect, how do we connect to that energy of rebirth and of hope? We access a deeper level within ourselves. You know, when a person, God forbid, someone gets burned, so the burn, whatever, whatever, uh, whatever degree it is, first degree, second degree, or God forbid, so it definitely is going to have impact on the layers of the skin, and sometimes deeper and deeper. But where does all healing come from? Reaching deeper into the immune system that begins to regrow and rebuild. So just like when you cut yourself, you know, a simple cut, again, God forbid, the blood, it bleeds, then, the ble- then it clots, the bleeding begins to coagulate, coagulate until and takes a little time and then it will fall off and it will be fresh as new. There's a natural immune system of healing, but you need to go into the inner forces of that immune system. Just like it's physically, same thing spiritually on a cosmic level. Now, there are wounds that just heal on their own, but there are wounds that need surgery, medication, different interventions, exercise to get it going again, to get it strong again. So the same thing is on a spiritual level. When there's been a betrayal or something's been destroyed, you need to dig deeper, to go into a place where the destruction did not impact. When we talk about, for instance, again, tragically, child abuse, especially on deep levels, where the child literally has out-of-body experiences, a certain disconnect takes place because it was too painful, too unbearable. So there's the concept of the inner child where we're looking to access, to connect to the place that preceded the abuse. And if you can elicit and draw from there, you can help rebuild. 
it's one method, it's not the only method, there are behavioral ways and others, but the point I'm making here is that there is a way of accessing a deeper place, and that's where the hope comes from. That's what Moses was attempting to achieve and ultimately was successful. God was saying, listen, there's a system. You put your, you put your hand in fire, it gets burned. The people betrayed, there are consequences. Not punishment. I'm not getting even with them. It's consequences. You did something that betrayed a trust, now it's difficult to trust you. Or, or, or almost impossible. Moses was saying, that's the structure you created. But you, God, have the power to go deeper preceding creation. You create, yes, the hand goes into fire, it gets burned. But you can cause that it shouldn't get burned. Or you can help heal after it's been burned. He was seeking healing, recovery. And for that, he was digging deeper. And that's why it took time. Now, God wasn't being difficult. God was saying there is a system out there. But ultimately, Moses, in his depth and love, recognized that, no, I will not take no for an answer. It's like when you really love someone and you've hurt them. And I'm not talking about someone who's faking it or just wants to get off easily. You really feel regret and remorse. And you go back to the person in love. They don't want to talk to you. But you keep knocking on the door. The sincerity that you have. And the appeal is not because you want to weaken the other person or take advantage of their vulnerability or manipulate them. It's because real love can go deeper than the betrayal. And if it can't, then maybe it wasn't real love. So we have to look at it that love is stronger. And you need to access that stronger love. In other words, that which happened, happened. And I'm taking full accountability. But there's a connection uh, between us that's deeper than that what happened. Can you access that? And when you can, what do you think happens? The love becomes far deeper. But that still doesn't let anyone off the hook. Accountability is critical. Repairs are critical. Correction of behavior. It's not just, okay, we reached that deeper place and now we can fall again. No, there's a true transformation that has to happen here. So it's not just, again, just shutting off, the, forgetting the past and moving on. It's taking the past and, and taking it into account and transforming it. That's the word, transformation. It's not broken and then we rebuild. You rebuild from that which is broken. You take the very pieces that were shattered and you rebuild them by finding a deeper glue, a deeper connection that reconnects them. In the Kabbalistic model, there's the concept of the shattering of the containers, called the world of toyo, of chaos, where the energy and the container are not compatible. The containers are very fragile, the energy is very intense, and there's a shattering of the containers. Just an example would be, you know, too much electricity running into an appliance, so it blows the appliance. Too much wisdom, too much ideas, too many ideas being conveyed from teacher to student. You overwhelm the student. You pour too much water into a, into a cup. It shatters the cup. I mean, these are physical examples. Emotional, psychological examples is you give someone too much love. You suffocate them with love. You can break them in the name of love. Like rain. If it doesn't fall in raindrops, it comes down like a flood. It floods the fields and destroys them just like a drought would. So it's all about measure. 
So there's a world called Tikkun, which is the alter ego, the counterforce to Toihu. Here the, ca- the containers are shattered by the intense energy. In Tikkun, they're balanced. There's a harmony. So think of it like a speaker. A speaker has great ideas, but they don't know how to stop. They talk and talk and talk and talk, and there's a lot of great ideas, but it's completely overwhelming. There's another speaker that can speak and speak and say nothing. What you need is the perfect harmony where the ideas are being conveyed in the right amount of words, not more and not less, balanced. Same thing in writing. When you read a smooth book, what is it about? It's seamless. The letters are on the page, but the letters are conveying perfectly the idea. If there are too many words or too little words, we get confused or overwhelmed. So everywhere in life, we need that harmony. When something is not harmonious, it can lead to destruction. So in that model that I just mentioned, the shattering of the containers is is a destruction. It can come from too much love. It can also come from too little. It can also come from a betrayal or other forms of trauma that shatter something. However, the expression is, is a Hebrew expression, to break, to shatter, in order to rebuild, like when you raise a building with a Z, R-A-Z-E, you knock down the building in order to build something greater. Someone who's only seeing that moment sees only destruction. But when someone looks at the bigger picture and understands there's a narrative here, a context, realizes, no, that break is only to create something greater. Just like the baby teeth of a child fall out in order to leave room for the adult teeth. You shed one layer of skin to assume a new layer of skin. A caterpillar becomes a butterfly. A tadpole, a frog, a metamorphosis going, um, going on. The egg cracks as the chick emerges. Wherever you turn in life, you'll find this. And we need to emulate that, to recognize that the cracks are really, as Leonard Cohen says, my good old friend, may God bless him, as the soul rest in peace, that the cracks is how the light gets in. So the cracks can be seen as an end in themselves. Okay, it's a crack. The egg is cracking. It's breaking. It's a breaking, it's breaking. It was a solid egg, contained whatever was inside it. But then you see a chick emerge, peeking through the cracks. And you realize, no, the crack is there to give birth. Creativity is a child of frustration. The more the greater the creativity, the more the frustration precedes it. A mother goes through the pains of birth pains, pregnancy pains, to give birth to a beautiful child. We all will go through stages of awkwardness like adolescence and others as we go from one state to another state. Again, the Kabbalistic and Hasidic terminology for that is yesh ayin yesh, a state of being, a state of itness, which will transform and metamorphosize to another state of itness, but a matina is an ayin, a vacuum, a void. But the void is not meaningless. It's not just a silence. It's a silence and sometimes a crack because the only way you can grow is to go through a paradigm shift and that requires in some way breaking the old pattern to get to a new one. The old routine to get to a new routine. As they say in recovery, if nothing changes, nothing changes. I'm fond of saying it this way. If you think what you thought and you say what you said, and you do what you did, what will you have? What you had. It's a mathematical certainty. You think what you think, 
When you think what you thought, you say what you said, you do what you did, you're going to have what you had. People want change, but they're not ready to do change, to create change. Action, reaction, cause, effect. What do they say? Insanity is doing the same thing and expecting different results. If you want to grow through any loss, betrayal, destruction, and reach some resurrection, some rebuilding, it's critical to dig deeper. Find that strength. Recognize that the crack ultimately, though it was unwanted and sometimes was a real mistake and should not have happened, but now it has, the crack is a way of building a greater life. I will now dig deeper and do whatever it takes to regain the trust and to regain hope and gain forgiveness. But really be sincere about it. Reach into that deeper place. You dig deeper. That's how we do it. We need help sometimes from others. We need to read. We need to be more spiritual, more soulful, and above all, more humble, which goes with soulfulness, humble. The arrogance that people have. First of all, they deny the mistakes they've made. Or they, secondly, minimize it. Or if they don't minimize it, they try to find smart ways to get around it. Those are all gimmicks that don't really work. They may work for a very short period, but long-term for sure not, because they haven't changed anything. And no question the thing will happen again. Whatever betrayal happened the first time will happen again. If anyone takes that type of essentially duplicitous approach. However, if you dig deeper and you're humbled and your soul is allowed to emerge, you'll be surprised what, what your inner child has to offer. A whole new level of hope a whole new level of belief in yourself and in others, and yes, a whole new level of trust. So trust can absolutely be rebuilt. It requires accountability. Not perfection, accountability. Many people say, who've been hurt, I need you to be perfect because I've been hurt by imperfect people. That's unrealistic. I need you to be accountable is the key line. I need to know that if something happens, you will be accountable. You won't deny it. You won't lie about it. You won't be deceptive. You won't cover it up. I know I can trust you then. Accountability, which of course is all part of that dignity we're discussing, the dignity of Malchus that has been broken, injured, wounded, scarred during this period, but only to be rebuilt into something greater. So yes, my dear friends, Perhaps the greatest gift in life is hope. Hope in the fact that you have the ability to dig deeper and to achieve things that you may have thought are impossible. Hope to be able to rebuild after betrayal, to reconcile after loss, and yes, to resurrect after destruction. May you be blessed with the clarity, the fortitude, the courage, and the support system to be able to achieve exactly that in whatever it is in your life that needs that type of repair, rebuilding, and transformation. Simon Jacobson, Meaningful Life Center. Meaningfullife.com is our website where you can find this program archived as well as many, many other programs and a robust schedule of activities and events that you can check out. Literally, 
almost tw- twice a day, I believe, sometimes more than that. They're very interesting topics that really cover the whole gamut, the spectrum. Please partake, take advantage, and stay in touch with us. We are all here in this together. We're all connected, intrinsically soulful connections. Stay in touch. If you feel this was valuable, please share, subscribe, subscribe your friends. And let's create that ripple effect, that butterfly effect that can impact, pay it forward, not just ourselves, but everyone around us. The key is not just to put on a fur coat when it's cold, but to light a fire. I mean, a contained fire that warms everyone around you. We are flames, and every flame ignites and lights another flame without being diminished. On the contrary, you get stronger because flames, when they come together, they're stronger. The only thing in life, in the physical world, in the spiritual world, it's always that way. The physical world, you light a flame and your flame doesn't get, not just, doesn't, not, doesn't not just get diminished, it gets stronger. So may you be a living flame, warming, illuminating everyone, everything around you. Be blessed and be in touch, stay in touch. Thank you so much. This program is brought to you by the Meaningful Life Center. Please help us continue our programs. Make even a small contribution at MeaningfulLife.com slash donate.